Good morning. Would you get your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12? First Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. I know you just sat down, but for respect of reading God's word, if you have the means and are able, I would like to ask you to stand one more time. First Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. Make sure you pay attention to that. I do not want you to be uninformed concerning the spiritual gifts. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now remember, he's talking about the gifts that he does not want you to be uninformed. Some versions say, I don't want you to be ignorant or have a lack of knowledge about them. So now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So there again you see that the reason the gifts are given is for the common good. For to one is given the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith is given by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another the ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills you can be seated. And as you're seated, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you this morning and before we go any further, I just want to acknowledge that we are nothing without you. Father, I, I want to proclaim that from my mouth first and foremost before I start anything from this lesson. God, Lord, all I can do is take what you inspire in me and then give it as inspiration to these people. These are your sheep, and you said to feed your sheep, to feed your flock. So, Father, today, this morning, right now, that's what we're going to try to do. But, Father, we are nothing without you. Lord, I can't speak an inspired word without you. And, Lord, they can't receive an inspired word without you. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would be working in all of our hearts. And, Father, you would just... Speak exactly what you mean for these people to hear this morning. God, we are nothing without you. And Father, we know that our very next breath does not come unless you give it. So Father, right now we, we look to you for everything that we need. 
And we ask you to guide this message this morning. Teach us what you want us to know. Father, I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as the body of Christ, one thing that, um, that excites me whenever I hear long announcements this morning, one thing that excites me about that is that what did Jesus do every time he went into a city? Was the first thing he done start preaching? The first thing he did was take care of the physical needs of the people, right? If, um, if someone needed food, he took two fish and five loaves, and what did he do? He fed them. If someone needed, uh, needed um, a deliverance from anything, he delivered them. If, if they needed something, he took care and provided for that need as much as possible. And so with the church being the body of Christ today, then I think it is appropriate to be able to hear such things that the body and all these individual parts come together and they use their gifts and their abilities to be able to deliver as much as possible on our part as God gives us to be able to deliver all that He would send us to to deliver from any type of bondages that they have. So I'm excited about that. The curse of this world, especially the curse on our own bodies, is doing exactly what it's designed to do and it is designed to cause people to run toward God. What happens whenever you reach your bottom and there is something that you desperately need in your life and there's nobody that can give it. Most people eventually hit their knees and say, God, if you don't do it, there's no hope. And that's exactly what the curse of this world is meant to do. The truth of the matter is that's the reason why God cursed the ground for our sake. That's exactly why He cursed these bodies to... to um, continually decay and fade away. The curse of this world is doing exactly what it is designed to do and that is to lead people to God. We as the church are the body of Christ and as God is pointing people to us through the sufferings and the curse of this world, then we should be able to have all of these different gifts in order to show them the power of God Right, in order to show them the body of Christ and how it works together. But let's just be honest. A lot of these gifts we read about, how many of them that I just mentioned do you actually see in the church today? Very few. Not many. So what I want to look at this morning is I want to look at a good biblical doctrine of things like healings and miracles. Because when was the last time that you seen a genuine miracle and a genuine healing from God? We see some from time to time. I have seen some in my life. But just to be honest with you, man, we ought to be looking around and seeing the power of God manifested in the body of Christ in great ways. So I want to look at this morning what the problem is and some of the different views that people see on the doctrine of healing and various miracles. And that's what I want to focus on this morning is not, not that they're more important gifts than the others, but they're the ones that it seems like we just don't see much out of anymore. So I want to look at two main views of these doctrines and two different ways that 
uh, different religions or different denominations look at these things. One of the first views, and don't get caught up on the, the word, I'm just giving you the term of what it's called. The first view is called cessationism. In other words, it means that all miracles have ceased. Have you ever heard that before from denominations? All miracles have ceased. There are no longer miracles performed after the apostles, all right? So, the, but there's another view of this as well. The, the, um, the people that believe in the ceasing of these miracles, some of them believe that the miracle gifts like healings have ceased because they were primarily given to individuals to authenticate their ministry. Now, I'm not going, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't agree completely, even though there, there is a lot of biblical back, uh, a lot of biblical. Um, Scripture to back this uh, thinking on it. And I'm going to look at it so you can see both sides of it. But, there, and I want to say this, there are many very good teachers that are far greater than myself. Believe me, John MacArthur is one of them. Anybody ever heard of a MacArthur study Bible? John MacArthur, he's one that believes in this doctrine right here. Um, so I'm going to be teaching something contrary to what John MacArthur believes. Does that mean he's wrong and I'm right? No. Does that mean I'm right and he's wrong? Or does that mean no matter which way you look at it? No. We're going to let the Scripture speak for itself and we're going to try to develop a good doctrine, a good biblical doctrine of healing and miracles this morning. So they believe that these gifts were given to individuals in the beginning in order to authenticate their ministry. Let's look at just a few Scriptures. Exodus chapter 4 verses 1 through 8. Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. It says, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, It's a staff. And God said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. Understandably so. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. <laughs> so he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand and look at verse 5 that they may believe that the Lord the God of their fathers the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you again the Lord said to him put your hand inside your cloak and he put his hand inside his cloak and when he took it out behold his hand was leprous like snow then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. So here's the point that I'm trying to make. There are biblical evidences that would say that God did give miracles and special gifts to individuals in order to authenticate their ministry. That is correct. Let's look at a few more. 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 1. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So here we see the story of where the reason 
that God gives Elijah the power to stop the rain is so that Ahab will know that Elijah's ministry is, is, is authentic and he comes from God. We see it again in 1 Kings 17 verse 24. He says, um, And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Those of you that know this story will know that Elijah just raised a widow woman's son from the dead. And all of a sudden we see the lady come out at the end and she say, Now I know that your ministry is true. So again, we see some biblical evidence for this. Just a few more. Uh, 1 Kings 18 verse 24. This is where Elijah is taking on the prophets of Baal on top of the mountain about whose God is the real God. He says, And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, He is God. And all the people answered, It is well spoken. So in other words, again, here you see that certain special miracles were given in order to authenticate a ministry. So we see that that's absolutely true. Last one, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 verse 10 through 16. <clears throat> and you remember what happened here is basically um, uh, Peter and John are walking to the temple and they come, uh, come up uh, on a lame beggar. And because he's begging, Peter looks at him and he says, Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man gets up and walks. And then they end up being thrown in prison because of this miracle that they did. But then in uh, verse 10, here's what it says. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And then look at verse 13. We'll finish with this. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And so here again, we see scriptures that absolutely back up that God gave specific gifts and gave the ability to do miracles so that their ministry would be authenticated. And so they take that and they say, well, the reason why we don't see these kind of miracles today and the reason why we don't see these things take place is because all that ceased with the apostles. Because after the apostles established the church, then there was no longer any need for these ministries to be authenticated. And so they believe in a doctrine of, of cessation. I have an issue with that. So I will get into my view on it here in just a minute, the other view that I typically agree with. But here's what it says. It says, They believed these gifts ceased with the apostles because once the church was established and the Holy Spirit was given, there is no longer gifts needed for authentication. They believed that while God... This is important. Now this is where you get some that believe all miracles have ceased, period. So you'll go to some churches that do not believe in miracles at all. Miracles have ceased. 
But then you'll have others that believe in the doctrine of cessation, but they don't believe that all miracles have ceased completely. They just believe that individually and people being able to do them has ceased. God don't give these gifts to individuals anymore, but instead now it is just God does it when He wants to do it, but not through any gift through an individual. So they believe that while God can and still does perform miracles today, the Holy Spirit no longer uses individuals to perform them. Now before you get too bored with me, because I know what will happen with stuff like this, I wanted to show you a video, but I didn't want to waste my time on a video this morning. But it was a video on uh, faith healers exposed. You will hear some heartbreaking stories of people that went to these faith healers to be healed and then come to find out that people had already been pre-selected by their security team in order to come in to be healed and then the little crippled girl that decided that she wanted to go down to be able to, to just be prayed over by this man and then the security guards stop her and say, no, you have to sit over here. No one else can get down there. My issue with, this, with people in this doctrine right here is that because people are uninformed, as we read, because people are ignorant of it, it can lead to such a, a um, detrimental state in so many people that suffer from the curse of this world. Listen, there is nothing more heart-wrenching than someone who is suffering in their health and is just crying out for hope and they're coming to someone who is supposed to have this gift of healing and they can't even get to them because they're fakes, they're frauds. And so this morning I want to make sure that you are not uninformed. I want to make sure that you are educated and that you are not ignorant to these gifts. And I'm going to explain to you biblically why I believe we don't see, why we don't see them in the church, in the body of Christ today like we should. And I'm as guilty of them as we are, but I'm hoping as we look at this that maybe it'll change the heart of some of you and you'll start figuring out, just like I need to figure out, how do we get these gifts? How do we get them? How do we use them? So let's take a look at the second view. The second view is not cessationism. It's not believing that they've, they've ceased. But instead, it's the view that these gifts of the Holy Spirit are still available from the Holy Spirit, but not just automatically given. In other words, it ain't just that Nick woke up one day and, uh, and all of a sudden he just had the gift of healing. It wasn't just an automatically given thing. I want to take a look at it. But these gifts are still given to the church. There are three reasons why I believe that these gifts are still given. Number one reason is because Paul was writing to all of the Corinthians. If you go back and, and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 to who this book is addressed to, it's literally addressed to all the saints in Corinth, to all of the Christians in this church. Not just the apostles, not just the pastors. No, every Christian, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of these gifts. I don't want you to be uninformed. So if Paul writes to a whole church and says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this, I don't want you to be uninformed, that means that it is very likely that they were uninformed. 
that they were ignorant. Just like I believe we as a church today, right now I believe Wells Baptist Church and at least 99.9% .9 of you in here today are ignorant and uninformed of spiritual gifts, especially ones like healings and miracles. And so Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed to the church. So because of that, I believe that if Paul said that to the church, then these gifts are still available to the church today. And he mentions them specifically. The second reason why I believe that they have not ceased is because Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, that his apostleship was not authenticated by miracles, but instead here's what he says. In verse 1 of chapter 9, he says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? The first thing he says that authenticates his apostleship, he saw Jesus Christ in the flesh. He saw Jesus Christ face to face. He had a direct meeting with Jesus Christ and his ministry came directly from Jesus. So that authenticates his ministry. And then he says... Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? Talking to the church. If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Paul mentions two things that authenticates his ministry of being an apostle, none of which are miracles. And don't you know Paul did miracles? Paul did miracles to the extent that the Bible teaches us that when people touched the garments and the handkerchiefs that he had touched, do you know what happened to them? They were healed. But yet Paul doesn't mention that. He says, my, my authenticity for my apostleship comes from two things. Number one, Jesus Christ himself gave it to me. That's number one. Number two, you. You are the seal of it. In other words, you are not just any church. You're not a fraud church. You are a church of life-changed people. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in this place and the founding of this church is the evidence of my apostleship. And so with that being said, I don't believe that we can, um, uh, we can say that the only reason God gave gifts was to authenticate His apostleship. He said that's not why they were even, that's not why, how it's even authenticated. Third reason why I don't believe they've ceased is because Paul encourages in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1. Now I want you to think about the progression of this. If you know the Bible, you'll know this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's talking about the gifts and he don't want them to be uninformed and talks about how each member has a part and, and the nose it belongs, the mouth belongs, the eyes belong, the hands belong. It's all a body working together. And each one of them have special gifts, some gifts of healing, some gifts of tongues, all types of different gifts for the common good of the body. And then he moves on to chapter 13 and he says, but now listen... Because if you have the gift of healing and you can speak in tongues and you can do all these great things but you don't have love behind it, what good is it? He said the first thing you've got to do is get your heart set right on the motivation of this thing and the motivation is the common good of people. It's not so that people can see me heal somebody. It's because I hurt for you and I want to show you the power of God. And when you have love as your motivation behind it, then you're ready to move into chapter 14. In chapter 14, verse 1, how does he start out? 
Pursue what? Go after love first. Get that right first. See, that's the first hindrance. <laughs> Most of us ain't got that part down yet. Pursue love and then earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. In other words, here's another thing that Paul says. The reason why I say that they have not ceased is because Paul says for you to do what? Earnestly desire them. He tells you after naming gifts of healing, miracles, and all these other things, he says you should earnestly desire them. So again, I agree with the view that says they don't just come automatically, but instead they come to those that God puts a heart in you toward these things, and then you come to God and earnestly desire from Him these gifts so that through love you can then in turn take care of the common good of the body. Does that make sense? Let's keep on going. So that's the reason why I believe that all the church has special gifts available by the Holy Spirit for supernatural miracles like healings. Now again, could it be right that they've just ceased? Yeah, they could be right. I don't believe that's the biblical doctrine. I don't believe that's what it teaches. I believe they're still available today. And my problem with the first view is that if you believe they're ceased, then what does it do to this verse right here? Makes you stop earnestly desiring. How many people have recently knelt down at an altar or knelt down at your bedside and cried out to God, God, I want to help people be healed. Anybody done that lately? You know, our problem with today's church is how many people are out there earnestly desiring spiritual gifts? No, they're supernatural and because of it, we're scared to death of them. That's the truth. So I believe they're still available. But the question we have to answer, here's the question we have to answer today. Where's the evidence of these gifts? If they're available, where's the evidence? Because all I'm seeing is frauds. Pull up YouTube today and say, faith healers exposed and look what you find. Then pull up real faith healers that have actually been authenticated and see what you find. So where's the evidence? If these gifts are available, why don't we see more of it or any of it for that matter? I believe many who fall under the first view of believing that they have ceased, I believe the reason why we don't see many of it is because they fall under this view. And guess what? If you believe they're ceased, are you seeking after them? You're not even trying. You're not even asking God for them. So again, let's answer this question. If these gifts are available today to us, why do we see so little evidence and so many frauds taking advantage of others seeking after this hope that the body of Christ is meant to give? Number one, I've only got three of them. First reason why we don't see it today, prayerlessness. Mark chapter 9, verse 28 through 29. You don't have to turn there. I've told you this story so many times. The apostles, the disciples were brought, a young boy was brought to them who was demon possessed. Now at this point, the apostles had delivered many children from demons, right? Many people from demons. They had literally come back to Jesus just so excited and, and, and proclaiming, even the demons submit to us in your name. 
But all of a sudden we find ourselves on a scene of one little boy that's brought to them and Jesus walks up and the man comes up and says, if you can do anything, please help my son. Your disciples tried, but they couldn't do nothing. Your apostles tried. The ones you gave the gift to tried, but they couldn't do anything. Man, how do you think that made the disciples feel? And Jesus walks up to him and he says, If you can believe, I can do anything. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's our problem today. I hope that's your prayer before we leave today. I do believe, but help my unbelief. And then the Bible says that Jesus reaches down and he heals the boy. And the boy gets up and he's made well. A little while later they go into the house and the disciples look at Jesus and what do you think their question is? What happened? Where was the power? We've done this before. Where was the power? And you remember what Jesus said to them? And when he, he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but... Now I want you to ask yourself the question. Do you think the disciples forgot to pray? Do you not think they stood over the boy and prayed in Jesus' name and done everything like they'd always done? So was Jesus saying to them, oh, it's no big deal, you just forgot to pray. You just left out this step. Here's what I believe Jesus was saying to them. You have been caught in a moment of your life of prayerlessness. In other words, Jesus said, listen, when you were in prayer and you were in contact with God through the Holy Spirit, the power was there. But when you begin to walk on your own and you severed the connection between you and the power source, guess what happens? If you pull the plug out of the wall, what happens to your power equipment? And unless you get connected back to the power source, there is no power. And so here's the reason why I believe the majority of the church does not get to experience things like healings and miracles today is because of prayerlessness. Listen, we pray every Wednesday night, but can I tell you that probably the majority of the guys that come in here and pray on Wednesday night, if they would be honest with me, would say the rest of my week is filled with prayerlessness. The rest of my week is filled with it. And for those of you that can say, no, it's not true. My prayer life is exactly where it needs to be. I'm connected in and I'm right there where I need to be. If that's you this morning, then maybe your problem is 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. When was the last time your prayers included, God, I want to connect to your power. Not for my sake, not for my glory's sake, not for my praise, not for my name's praise, but instead for love's sake. Because I love your people, because we're the body of Christ, and because I want those suffering from the curse of this world to be able to come in and to be able to experience the power of God. Maybe that's the problem. But one of the two is probably true for you. So either your prayer life is not connected to the power source, or you are not asking and desiring from the power source the things that He has for you because they don't just come automatically. They come through us earnestly desiring. So that's the first thing. The second reason why I believe we don't see any more evidence of this today is because sometimes God chooses to give us first fruits now 
but other times he chooses for the thorn or the curse to remain in this life. In the book of Romans chapter 8, we read the, the, the teaching of Paul to where he says this, um, this world was placed under a curse and we're all eagerly awaiting for this curse to be lifted. Look what it says. For the creation, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's us. All of creation. Because listen, even the trees were cursed. Even the animals were cursed. The ground was cursed. All of creation is waiting on our redemption. The promise of God that comes to us. And the reason they're eagerly waiting on it is because, let's, go, let's keep going with it, for the creation was subjected to futility or it was placed under the curse, not willingly. The dirt and the animals and no one else, the trees, they didn't say, hey, let us be cursed. It wasn't willingly, but it was cursed because of God who did it in hope. Remember what I told you before? He cursed it because he hoped that it would bring you to him, that it would lead you to show that you are hopeless without him. And he says that the creation itself will also be set free from its bondage to corruption. That's the reason why it's eagerly awaiting your redemption because in Revelations, Jesus said, Behold, I make all things what? New. All things. Jesus recreates everything. Gives it all new life, not just you. So the creation itself will also be set free from its bondage of corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Go on to verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in birth pangs of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Let me sum all that up for you. We're under a curse, but He's promised that those who are under the blood of Jesus Christ are going to be delivered and they're going to be redeemed and they're going to be given new bodies delivered from this curse, delivered from this suffering, and creation is waiting on that day. Waiting on it. Because they're going to be delivered too. And they're going to be... And, and all of us are groaning together with birth pangs. We're waiting on that new birth, but right now we experience the pains of this suffering. But then some of us have the first fruits of this adoption. You know what the first fruits are? Consider Jesus' ministry. When Jesus came in and he raised Lazarus from the dead, did he pass any other tombs along the way of dead people? Did he raise them up? So why was Lazarus special out of all the rest of these dead people? Do all the other dead people need to be raised? They need to be. But he raised Lazarus. When he walked into a city and he found a, a, a woman who was sick, did he heal all the other sick people around? Did he all of a sudden just say, everybody healed? No. So what was it? The first coming of Jesus was not here to bring us the full redemption. The first coming of Jesus purchased the redemption for us. He did it in hope. Go to verse 24 for me, Tim. Romans 8 verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. Faith is the full assurance of what? Of hope. 
of things hoped for. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For why? For who hopes for what he sees? Jesus didn't come here to give you the fullness of the hope. He came to give you hope. And the way he gives you hope is by giving you first fruits of it. He lets you see glimpses of it. In this hope we're saved. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So here's the thing. Some of the reason why we don't get to see it today is because sometimes God chooses to give us first fruits now, but other times He chooses for the thorn to remain. Did you know that the Apostle Paul healed so many people and even handkerchiefs that he had touched healed people, but did you know that he couldn't heal himself? And do you know why he couldn't heal himself? Because God said, I put the thorn there. It's there for a purpose and I mean for it to stay. Sometimes God chooses for the thorn to remain. So sometimes there won't be healing. Sometimes there won't be raising from the dead. Sometimes there won't be all these miracles that we expect to see. So we see that taking place. Number three. Number three reason, last one of why these gifts, um, we, don't see, we don't see much evidence of it today. Because no one is earnestly desiring and asking God to give them these gifts because they are uninformed. They're ignorant of it. Because they're being taught that they have ceased. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. I believe the Bible teaches that they are available for it and that they should be desired with a right heart. They're not just automatically given. But I don't believe that very many people are seeking after these gifts. You know... um. I can remember um, my father-in-law sitting here. <clears throat> How many years has it been? Eleven years? Eleven years ago, they diagnosed him with bladder cancer. And I can remember sitting, I think it was Columbia Hospital, when the doctor came out and he basically just told us, don't look good. It's not good at all. Um, just hope for the best. And I can remember going back to work that day or not that day but probably the next day or something like that being so desperate that a faith healer comes on TV that's been exposed as a fraud since then but he came on TV and he basically looked me in the eyes and he, he basically told me you know listen if you need a miracle today and you need healing all you need to do is claim it we're going to take care of it and it's going to be done and I can remember I can remember doing that and I can remember with all of my heart seeking after that with everything in me and now what I'm getting at is today God healed my father-in-law he did and I believe he did it through many prayers I do but the difference was I was uninformed and uneducated and ignorant of how these spiritual gifts come to individuals. And because of that, I was going about it all the wrong way. And so today, I want to put you in a mindset so that when you get put in a situation that you desire a spiritual gift, and not just for selfish reasons but for the common good of the body, for the common good of, uh, of the world, when you get put in those situations, you can be ready. I want to tell you one last story. This is the last story I'm going to tell you. i got no more scriptures to cover for you, so y'all just be patient with me. Psalm 
13, 14 years ago, I was standing right there on a benefit night or something was going on. I can't even remember what was going on. I was singing. It was a singing or I was singing. I, for some reason, I was singing. It may have been a singing, but I was up there and I was singing a song. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. There was a young girl attending church at that time that was uh, basically um, paralyzed from her chest down. I don't remember what else was wrong with her. She had several things wrong with her. And um, she came, all of a sudden, in the middle of this song, she comes rolling up through here, and she stops right there on the front, and she starts trying to get me to come down there to her. And I come down there to her. And you know what she says to me? She says, I want to walk. I can tell you today that I honestly feel like God told me that night. I honestly feel this way. I'll never know, but I honestly feel this way. I honestly felt like at that moment God told me, tell that girl to get up and walk in Jesus' name. Instead, I put my hand on her head and I prayed for her and I sent her back to her seat. You know why I didn't tell her? Because my response to God was, but what if she falls? That's been 14 years ago. 14 years and today that's, that's one of the most heart-wrenching moments in my, in my ministry, if you will. Is here I am singing about the power of God and singing about all that Christ is and this baby girl comes up and she just wants to walk. And I ain't got the faith to look at her and be able to say, get up and walk. But do you know, as heartbreaking as that moment was, to this day I've not bowed my knees in this altar or any other place for that matter and asked God to give me the gift so that if something like that ever happened again and I heard the voice of God say, tell that baby girl to get up and walk that I would know I was connected to the power source and I would be ready to tell that girl to get up and walk. What I'm asking Wells Baptist Church today is for us to look around and realize that if we are the body of Christ, we're missing some things. Let's just be real. And we can explain it away and say that, ah, oh, they've just ceased and they're no longer available or we can be honest with ourselves and say the problem is we've gotten so far away from God that even Christians, even good faithful Christians got a long ways to go to get back to Him, to get connected again, to get tied into Him. And we can be honest with ourselves and we can say that and we can get back to that place where if we want to be the body of Christ, we can listen to what the Word of God says when He says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Have, the, have it in your heart that you want these things because listen, I don't want to heal that girl so that people can say, wow, did you see what Kevin did that night that he was singing on that stage? You know that has never crossed my mind that I missed out on praise. That's never crossed my mind. But it don't, cease to cross my mind 
that that little girl could have experienced the power of God. But I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't in the place that I was supposed to be. So I'm saying to the body of Christ here today, I believe with all my heart that the Bible teaches that gifts of healings and miracles are still available today. Are we going to see everybody healed? No. And the ones that you even see healed, guess what? They're eventually still going to die because this body has to be made new. Eddie was healed of cancer 11 years ago. It's gone today. We got one on the front row up here healed of cancer. But do you know what? One day, they've still got to meet their maker. One day it's coming back. Jesus didn't come to give us the fullness of the redemption yet. He came to give us the first fruits of it. And we're going to get to see that. And I believe we should be seeing more. And I believe the reason we're not seeing more is because, number one, prayerlessness. Without prayer, there's no power. I believe that that's a big cause of it. Number two, we're uninformed. We're uneducated about these spiritual gifts or we don't even believe they exist. And number three, we're not seeking them. We're not seeking them. And for some reason it takes a tragedy in our lives to move us to that place to where we actually humble ourselves before God and say, God, I want this and I need this with all of my heart. Why don't you start today by saying, God... I want this not just for my tragedy, but for the good of your people and for the glory of your name. Because we're the body of Christ. And if we're the body of Christ, we are to be able to do what Christ did while he was here. That's my biblical doctrine on healing and miracles today. I pray today that maybe it's triggered something in you that puts you on the search and puts you chasing after God with everything that you desire for Him to give to you for His glory and for your good. If y'all would stand this morning. I am with this question. What do you earnestly desire that God would do through you in a supernatural way to show love toward the suffering of others and to let the world see the first fruits of God's promise. What do you desire that He would do through you to be able to see that? I pray that today would be the start that you humble yourself before Him and you earnestly seek the spiritual gifts that are available, I believe, to the church today.